All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome in. It is an April 25th edition of the Daily Faceoff Show, a new week for the show and the final week of the NHL's regular season. Joined alongside Frank Saravalli and Frank, after a 56-game regular season last year, doing 82, it's been a bit of a grind. Yeah, this season, if it feels like it's dragged on forever, that's because, well, it has. By the time the puck drops on the playoffs next week, it'll be May 2nd. Usually we're already through the first one, if not two rounds of the playoffs by now. And so for a season that only started a week late, it really has gone on forever. It really has dragged on. Uh, Of course, a few interesting things to keep an eye on through the rest of this week as teams finish up and play all 82. Uh, But Frank, I want to start with the result from last night that had everyone buzzing. There was, first off, a bunch of team social media accounts having a ton of fun with the San Jose-Las Vegas matchup. But Vegas losing, and not just losing, but dropping this one in heartbreaking fashion, really. They're up by two late. San Jose scores with 2.06 remaining and then at the buzzer to tie things up before going on to beat the Golden Knights in in the shootout and a point that Vegas just right now really couldn't afford to give up. Yeah, 0.3 seconds. Look, there's no excuse. The game should have been won way before that for the Vegas Golden Knights for whom every means so much. You think back to the two-goal lead that they had with a little more than three minutes to play you got to close that out, um, you know, on home ice, you know, given where you're at in the standings, given how much you fought 
through injury this season and everything else to get to that point and to not be able to close it out against the San Jose Sharks team that has been out of the playoff picture really for quite some time. You know, I, I can't fathom, you know, a reason why the Golden Knights couldn't hang on to win that game against the Sharks. You got to have the points. And so you drop the one point and on one hand, you could sit there and be like, hey, at least they got a point. But if we flash up the wild card standings here, it's very easy to see just how valuable this lost point is. If they would have gotten one more, they would have been at 91, just two back of Dallas. And in that scenario, you know, if you're Vegas and you find a way to win out, you go three, and zero, you're going to get to that 97 point mark. And you would have in all likelihood held the tiebreaker over the Dallas Stars in that scenario. You would have only needed you would have needed Dallas to win two of their last three in a way it would have felt a little bit more like you control your own destiny. And now you look at things, the max Vegas could get to is 96. Again, they do hold that tiebreaker. So Dallas would have to get to 97 if Vegas did win out with three regulation wins. Um, but still, like if, if that one point, it's one point. And how many times throughout a season do you hear teams or do you hear people talk about, you know, T loss and go, ah, at least you grinded and you got the one point. But in this scenario, dropping the one, it's just it's so, so massive for this team, because now I'd sit there, I'd give them 10 percent, less than 10 percent chance of making the playoffs at this point. Get your popcorn ready, Tyler. Tuesday night. It's all that matters. Vegas, Dallas. Basically, you know, if the Dallas Stars win in regulation, the Vegas Golden Knights season is over. They can not only basically set the eight playoff teams in the West, a little bit of seeding will still come into play between Nashville and Dallas. LA will likely be locked into the third spot at that point. And if not, well, all of a sudden that opens up the door for Vegas, a critical four point swing potentially on the line if that game is decided in regulation. So uh, can't wait to set that up on Tuesday night. It's all going to come down to that for the Dallas Stars and the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, it should be an unreal game, should be a playoff like atmosphere as well. There's a handful of teams who are already clinched. They're already locked up. They got the X next to their name, but they still might have some tough decisions to make here. And I want to start just by going through some key players who over the last few days, over the last week, have gone down with injuries. We had Alex Ovechkin last night against the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's now listed as day to day. Carolina Hurricanes losing both their goaltenders as of late as well. Michael Bunting out for Toronto. Darnell Nurse, when head coach Jay Woodcroft was asked about his him potentially being ready for game one of the playoffs. Woodcroft simply said, we'll see. And then you have Devon Taves out in Colorado as well. A handful of significant injuries for some teams who have, you know, aspirations of going on long playoff runs, Frank. Should maybe some other teams look to this and go, maybe it's time we start resting our players with not a lot on the line here in the next five days. Yeah, there's a bunch of teams that are probably going to be asking themselves those very same questions. The Florida Panthers, I would imagine, are one. Uh, they've got the top spot in the East locked up. Doesn't matter what they do the rest of the way. Um, you know, there's a couple matchups still in play. I, I'd, I'd imagine the New York Rangers are fighting for that top spot in the Metro, even though it looks pretty unlikely at this point. You've got the Pens and those teams, uh, the Caps, fighting it out to see who can avoid facing off against the Florida Panthers in the first round. So there's still some to play for. Some teams don't have that luxury, but you look at that injury list, you look at a team like Colorado, you know, not even mentioned on there, Rantanen and his injury, of course, Landis Cog and his, that's a team that is pretty banged up uh, heading into the Stanley Cup playoffs. The team that concerns me the most here has to be the Carolina Hurricanes with their injury list. 
Anderson is scheduled to be reevaluated this week. It sort of felt like he was on a week to week basis. And then anti Ranta goes down over the weekend and they have to turn to a rookie in net and not really a pretty scenario for Peter Kochetkov, even though he's a, a pretty uh, well-regarded uh, player in terms of pedigree and, and stepping into their organization and into the spotlight. But this isn't the situation that you want to put him in to get his first taste of action in the NHL. The Canes have been thin on goalies all season long. And so Anderson down, Ranta out, ugh, a little bit of an ugly spot for the Canes who have really sort of, um, you know, rebounded quite nicely here in the last four games, but a team that uh, seemingly had the Metro locked up for the longest time ended up in a battle, a dogfight down the stretch with the New York Rangers. Yeah, and it's interesting. Goal, you're right. Like those two on that list are the most concerning. You can sit there and be like Alex Ovechkin. Yes, that would be a huge loss for the Washington Capitals. He's the heartbeat of that team. But I think back to the bubble. Remember when Colorado looked like they were primed to go on that long run? And then it was injury between the pipes, another injury between the pipes. And you're starting, I think it was Michael Hutchinson in an elimination game. And you just hope that for Kane, for the Kane's sake, it's they're not facing something similar where you just can't get a goalie to stay healthy for a playoff run. Uh, we started this last week. We're going to continue it throughout the end of the regular season here, but digging in and looking at the different awards races around the NHL. And this one is really interesting to me because it doesn't get talked about a lot in the mainstream, right? You hear a lot of chat about the Vesna, the Hart, the Norris, but who's been the best defensive forward? The Selkie Award. Frank, is this Patrice Bergeron's to lose? Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. The way Bergeron has played this year, the way that he's dominant, dominated his competition in such a significant manner, you can go through and you can quote all of the advanced stats to see him control play the way that the Bruins have when he's on the ice to see the play shift back when he's not on the ice. Uh, to do it at both ends has been incredibly impressive. This has arguably been one of his more dominating seasons in terms of, um, you know, how he's controlled play. And so to me, he's head and shoulders above everyone else in the Selkie conversation. I think there have been a lot of players this season that have had great campaigns. I think of Calgary and I think of Elias Lindholm and how well he's played uh, on that team and how, you know, he's sort of driven and dictated play as well. You know, it, it's Bergeron one and then it's sort of everyone else. And so, um, you know, you've got a really basic stat here in plus minus. But, you know, I, I look at some of the other guys around the league that have put in great campaigns. Alexander Barkov, even though he missed a number of games, Ryan O'Reilly. Um, you know, you go through the list, Jordan Stahl with the Carolina Hurricanes. To fill out your ballot from one to five isn't going to be all that difficult once you put Patrice Bergeron in the top spot. Yeah, and a lot of people might roll their eyes and be like, oh, Bergeron again. But it's interesting. He hasn't actually won the award since 2017. The last four winners are Barkov, Couturier, O'Reilly, and Anze Kopitar. And then, of course, before that, Bergeron won it four of those previous six seasons. But I was you know, digging into some numbers, getting ready for this, and I stumbled my way into The Athletic and their sort of models rankings. And two guys who they had kind of up near the top, but definitely not in the number one spot, were Anthony Sorelli and Marcus Foligno, two guys who maybe you don't initially think of as, you know, good defensive forwards, but it's interesting what those numbers could maybe reveal. My question for you is maybe not a player who's going to end up on your ballot or in your final ballot, Frank, but is there someone who you considered putting on that maybe the casual fan might go like, oh, really? And be a little surprised by it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little early, but someone like Anton Lundell in Florida was trending in that direction in terms of the matchups and things that he was getting. Anthony Sorelli is going to be on my ballot. I don't know what position yet. Uh, he's been spectacular in Tampa. It's a good name that you mentioned there. Um, you know, I don't think enough people have been talking about Anjay Kopitar. Last year, Philip Deneau got a lot of love in terms of the Selkie and, and that conversation as well. Um, you know, there's lots of strong candidates out there. I think the unfortunate part for them is they just don't really hold a candle to Bergeron this year in terms of how he's played. Mm-hmm. Another thing we've been doing over the last week is our down and out segment, going through the teams who are not getting into the playoffs and where they kind of where things went wrong and where they go from here. And today is an interesting one with the Chicago Blackhawks. This is a team who had legitimate playoff aspirations. When you look at Jonathan Taves returning to the lineup for them, they went out and got Seth Jones. They went out and got Mark Andre Fleury. They went and got Tyler Johnson as well. Um, then things that it just didn't go well pretty much right from the jump jump. And there was a lot of drama off the ice as well, obviously with the Kyle beach thing. And that was a big cloud over the organization. Bowman leaves as well. And then at the trade deadline, you had comments from Jonathan Taves. Like it was just pretty much a mess from the start for Chicago. Right, Frank. Yeah. And they've, I hope Kyle Davidson, their new general manager, brings a shovel with him because they've got a, li- a lot of digging to do in terms of getting out from the spot that they're in. And you've heard it, you know, right from Kyle Davidson's lips. This is going to be a total rebuild for the Chicago Blackhawks. That means there's going to be a lengthy teardown process as well to get to the point where they want to get to. And, you know, the real key for me is the Chicago Blackhawks really lack difference makers. That should be their number one goal and target is how do we find a way to get and acquire and accumulate enough difference makers in their lineup. They've got a couple. Patrick Kane is one, of course, and is always going to be one. Um, They need to recoup some picks too. You take a look at this board here. They don't have a first round pick this year, of course, from the Seth Jones trade going back a year. Um, You know, you, you look at, um, the picks that they got for Brandon Hagel, valuable picks, they're in the future. So um, they've sort of begun that process already, trading away Hagel, recouping a, a second-round pick, a conditional pick for Marc-Andre Fleury. But they've got a lot more work to do. And I think the big question for me, Tyler, is who are the guys that are going to be the pillars for the future? Yeah. You know, you thought back to the Blackhawks and their Stanley Cup run, and they had their pillars at sort of every position. It was Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane up front. It was Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith on the back end. And then they had Corey Crawford in net. And so they built around those five pillars who are going to be the guys left standing this time around. You know, I really wonder about Patrick Kane. I think that's going to be a fascinating offseason conversation. I wonder if Jonathan Taves, given his comments, is trending towards playing somewhere else next season. And then you think about the young guys that are left. The guy that I think they're going to be building around in the future and the guy that Kyle Davidson has had circled on his list is Kirby Doc. I think he's the guy that's going to be right up there in terms of leading the charge. Yeah, and it'll be interesting. Like you mentioned Patrick Kane, right? And there's the lack of draft picks and there's the need for them to have difference makers. Okay, well, Patrick Kane is a difference maker. Patrick Kane could get them a lot of draft picks and he's only got one year left on that deal at 10 and a half million. Like to me, what they do with Kane will really signal which direction this franchise is going, right? Yeah, and I think we we know which direction it's going. It's just, do they view Kane as part of the solution moving forward? And notice some of the names that I didn't mention. Alex DeBrinkett, you saw the stat sheet, 40 goals this season. 
I think he's going to be a prime trade target this summer. Perfect. We look forward to maybe a new trade targets board coming out uh, after the playoffs as well, Frank. Let's move along and talk a little Boston Bruins in another edition of All 32. Perfect. Excited to dig in a little bit. Uh, we thought we were going to be joined by Fluto Shinzawa of The Athletic, but we may be running into some technical difficulties here. So while we look to sort that out a little bit, Frank, I'll just uh, open this up to you. Boston Bruins, 5-5, five and five, sort of in their last 10, seem to be playing just some average hockey right now. How confident should the Bruins be in their game heading into the postseason? I mean, I guess some of it's going to depend on the matchup in terms of their confidence level. Um, you know, they could get the Carolina Hurricanes, which might be OK. Uh, they've played some decent hockey down the stretch. Uh, they really seem to have found their game a little bit since March 1st, but have stumbled, you know, just ever so slightly in these last handful of games. My big question mark, Tyler, for the Boston Bruins as they head to the playoffs is, do they have enough secondary scoring? You know, maybe the big change for this team this year, uh, when you look at it, was splitting up David Pasternak and Brad Marchand, putting them on two separate lines. And that's great because they made the Bruins a two-line threat. But the problem is they're definitely not a three-line threat. You think back to their success in the playoffs going back a number of years, and it was guys like Charlie Coyle and Marcus Johansson that were really big difference makers in the playoffs because they were that three-line team that could compete. And now all of a sudden, you know, you advance a bit and you've got the Taylor Hall line and, you know, likely with Pasternak there. And then you've got the Marchand, Bergeron, uh, DeBrusque line, which has been cruising right along. No questions about that top line. If that second line isn't going, you know, where else are the Bruins going to be getting their scoring from, provided that you'd imagine that teams are going to be keying on that first line so much. So that to me is the X factor for the Bruins this season in the playoffs is, you know, can they get enough secondary scoring to remain competitive and remain viable. And that's going to be a big thing, especially when you look around the Eastern Conference as well. And you look at the Floridas, Tampa Bay's, Toronto's, so those teams, you know, they, they do have pretty deep forward cores, right? And the other thing for the Bruins is the situation between the pipes has been interesting all year as well. You had the Swayman Allmark start, the Rask situation in the middle that eventually fell apart. And then since Rask left and retired, both Swayman and Allmark have been pretty good, but they have an interesting decision to make between the pipes there as well. Yeah, they do. I, I think it's going to end up being Jeremy Swayman. I mean, you take a look at these numbers since February 10th. Pretty darn even. Olmark has the contract. He has a little bit more of the pedigree in terms of what the Bruins were looking for. Swayman is going to end up on my Calder Trophy ballot at some point. Uh, he's had a great rookie season. And the way that he's battled through some of that adversity that you mentioned, the guy that's sent down to the minors when the Tuka Rask experiment begins and then is called back up. These two guys clearly have a great relationship. They work well together in tandem. You see their excitement uh, with each other uh, after games, the hugs and the celebration and everything that comes with it. I think that's great for team morale. Uh, the guy that I would be rolling the dice with on game one to at least start the series and see how he reacts in the playoff environment is Jeremy Swayman. It'll be interesting to see what the Bruins end up doing there. I mean, coming down the stretch here, maybe they have a little bit to play seating wise, but I think it'll be real tough for them to obviously catch the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are red hot right now in that Atlantic division. Um, so it'll be, By the it'll be way, interesting to see how the Bruins. I just I just want to mention, too, um, you know, you mentioned the Bruins and, and looking at their four. We talked about their forward group. 
Tyler, I'm really excited to see what a healthy Hampus Lindholm looks like on their back end. They paid so much to acquire him at the deadline. Um, you know, if he's on a pair with Charlie McAvoy, which is what the expectation is, Matt Porter from the Boston Globe had dubbed them Hammer and Chuck. Um, you know, that could be a really interesting glimpse, not just for this year, but you think of the extension that Lindholm has signed, a glimpse into the long-term future of the Boston Bruins on their back end. So Lindholm, he sat out a bit uh, trying to rest up to get healthy for the playoffs. If he's at full strength and you've got McAvoy there, you've got your shutdown pair potentially with Grizzlick and Carlo. All of a sudden, the Bruins defense core looks a little bit different. Yeah, it, it could be interesting. You're right. They are a team who made that big move at the deadline, bringing in Lindholm. We'll see if maybe, you know, that healthy blue line, having everyone in there can lead them to a bit of playoff success and maybe make up for that lack of scoring as well. Uh, this has been another edition of the All 32 delivered by DoorDash. Those promo codes at the bottom get you 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order. Our apologies to Fluto Shinzawa, the athletic who uh, we just couldn't make the technology work, but hey. That's doing a live internet show sometimes. Uh, so apologies to Fluto. Great look into the Boston Bruins, though, Frank. And that'll do it for another edition of the All 32. Digging into our daily face-off inbox question, Frank, there were a bunch of really cool moments and really interesting viral moments around the NHL last night, but it was a special night out in Anaheim where Ryan Getzlav wrapped up his career. You had Timo Solani driving the ATV on the ice before the game, but something that caught a lot of people's attention is the behind-the-back pass from Ryan Getzlav here. Really, the last play of his NHL career is just an absolute beauty. I love this angle of it right there, too. Um, but your question is one word to describe the finished Getzlav's career with this play. Storybook. I mean, to go out in the final two minutes with an assist like that, knowing that it's the last game of your career, your family's in the building, the crowd is celebrating you and your career and your accomplishments, uh, especially uh, all your games played, 1,157 of them with the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, to think that you can go out on a play that pretty, uh, that cool. I think it speaks to, um, you know, really his dominance, Ryan Getzlaff as a playmaker, uh, 757 assists in his career. Certainly no slouch at scoring goals, uh, just under 300, but someone that uh, was really one of the great playmakers of his time and really one of the great power forwards of his time. So uh, to go out like that, wow, can't really draw it up that much better than that. Yeah, and my word was simply fitting. I mean, you talked about 757 assists. For that to be his last play, for it to be a highlight real play like that, and the whole night felt fitting as well, right? Like Timo Solani, one of the legends of that franchise, sort of welcoming him into retirement with that gift as well. And, you know, it hasn't been a great season, obviously, for the Ducks. They were in the race early. Things kind of fell apart. But it's fitting, at least, that Getzlav gets to go out on a bit of a high note here with this beautiful play. Uh, so that'll do it for our inbox segment. Hashtag AskDFO. If you have any big questions this week, Frank would love to handle them. So send them in on Twitter with the hashtag AskDFO. And that brings us to our daily bets segment, where it was a little bit of a positive night for me last friday was up 0.3 units that brings us up to positive 9.2 units on the season tonight though just one game on the slate but i do have a play i like so let's dig into it courtesy of our friends at points bet canada philly and chicago it is far from a marquee matchup between these two but 
I actually do like the over in this hockey game. Chicago so far this month, they're averaging 6.36 total goals per game. Kate, that's a little bit under. Philly, on the other hand, 7.09 goals per game is their average so far this month. Philly also played last night. So, you know, maybe some tired legs could lead to some extra offense for the Chicago Blackhawks. And for Chicago, they were on a nice run of hitting the over for a while, but then they barely hit the under in back-to-back games. So I think it's due for a high-scoring affair between the Flyers and Hawks. No player prop for me tonight. It's a quiet night around the NHL. But Frank, I do like the over between the Flyers and Hawks. Gives me some sort of reason to watch this matchup tonight. Yeah, uh, that's probably just about the only reason. Uh, It's going to be kind of the last quiet night uh, before the weekend heading into what should be a fast and furious and ridiculous first round. Yeah, it should be. And uh, let's wrap up the show with a little bit of garbage time. Frank, what caught your attention over the weekend? No doubt the Montreal Canadiens and their celebration of the life of Guy Lafleur, arguably one of the top 10 players in NHL history. And to see the Bell Center give a 10 minute and 10 second ovation nonstop for number 10. Wow. Uh, Really no club in the NHL does celebration does pomp and circumstance does ceremony quite like the Montreal Canadians. They're the best far and away. And to see Guy Lafleur properly faded uh, to see the spotlight on his retired number 10 banner in the rafters to see all the former players in the stands, his teammates uh, watching alongside uh, with tears in their eyes to see how excited the fan base was for a player that, It's been a long time since he's been in their lineup, Uh, certainly gone, but will never be forgotten uh, his impact in Montreal. And to think uh, that their public address announcer had tried a couple times to get the ceremonies ongoing, to get the night moving forward. And yet uh, they wanted to continue. You see Yvonne Cornway there, so many former players, Bob Gainey in attendance, uh, all of them looking on, Rajon Hulag. It's just an incredible, incredible uh, seen in Montreal for one of the all-time greats. And, you know, it's nice, you know, some people do it differently. You know, a moment of silence. It was Patrick Waugh who said last week uh, when Guy Lafleur passed, he said, I hope that it's an ovation for all the celebrations that Guy Lafleur uh, sent Montreal into a frenzy with, with his play over the years, uh, that it would be an ovation instead of a moment of silence. And so uh, Guy Lafleur will lie in state at the Bell Center Uh, Sunday and Monday heading into next week after the regular season ends. A national funeral will be held on Tuesday, May 3rd. Um, Just speaks to his impact in the province of Quebec, a true rock star and icon. A lot of those phrases and uh, and terms are are overused, but in this case, absolutely deserved and a a well-fitting tribute for Guy Lafleur in Montreal on Sunday. Yeah, and and you talked about how what what a nice how good Montreal is at doing this and that Canadians organization. The touch I liked was the no ads on the boards, just his name, his signature and his life. And I thought that was a fantastic touch as well. Uh, very well said, Mr. Saravalli. And obviously Guy Lafleur going to live on forever in the hearts of hockey fans and Canadians fans as well. That's going to be a wrap for another edition of the Daily Faceoff show. We'll be back tomorrow. Same time noon eastern live with another 30 minutes of straight hockey talk until then keep it locked on the on dailyfaceoff.com and have a good monday thanks for watching the daily faceoff show make sure you hit subscribe on our youtube channel to never miss an episode
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.